Healing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We're talking about the work of the ministry. It is a strange work, and bring to pass his act a strange act. We see that in Isaiah 28. It has to do with his last day work. It's called the great thing that God will do. It's a new thing. It is the new wine. It is the latter rain of the Holy Ghost. Christ in and through the body of Christ, literally as a light that's set upon a hill that cannot be hid. So let your light shine. Gross darkness will cover the people. At that time, the ones in the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, will rise up as an ensign, a signet, a seal revealed to the people. During that time, it will reveal Jesus Christ in and through the body of Christ and will be a great war against the evil, against the good, against the holy from the profane, against the righteous, against the wicked. And then we'll discern who serves God and who does not serve God. Everything that is man-made in that day will be thrown down. We find it in Hebrews 12. The Lord, in the days of Moses, in deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, shook the earth then. Sinai, he descended upon the mount, and it burned with fire. And the Lord spoke, and it shook the people. Moses said, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But this last great day work, this former rain will be considered as nothing compared to the last great rain of his strength. For the Lord hath promised, he will not shake the earth only, but also heaven, that all those things that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. These are things that are man-made doctrine, teaching them for the commandments of God. He said, I'll destroy all those. Every man-made doctrine, I will literally shake and remove it. And then those things, that's the faith. Faith is the substance of things, so far. The evidence of things not seen. And the things which cannot be shaken may remain. That's the ones that have faith. The word, when heaven and earth is on fire, melting with fervent heat, only the word will stand in that day. Seeing then that we have a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, the world thinks God is just a God of love. They have him shown as this long-haired Jesus with his little halo over his head praying in the Garden of Gethsemane with baby blue eyes and real smooth features. That's not the Lord. We find that he had no comeliness that we should desire him. That he pulled his hair. He did not have a Nazarite vow upon him. 
He did not have long hair. That's the tradition of the elders that's made the word of God in another effect. He drank wine. And he said, they said, behold, a man, a publican, and a sinner. Because he eats with publicans and drank wine. And because of that, he said, this man can't be of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus Christ, what we depict as the Lord with this long-haired Jesus, is not the Lord God Almighty. He's angry with the wicked every day. In his judgment, he said he will judge every man according to their works, whether good or whether evil. He will judge them. We will all appear before the Bama seat of Christ to receive what we have done in our bodies, whether good, if it literally stands the fire, we'll receive a reward, that of gold, silver, and brass. But if it's wood, hay, or stubble, we'll suffer loss. But every work will come into judgment. Every word spoken will literally be literally sounded there in that day. What is this work of the ministry? What is this strange work and bring to pass this strange act that the Lord hath promised? He will not shake earth only, but also heaven. That all that can be shaken may be removed as the things that are made. Everything that is not in God, literally in the truth, the things which are not seen, which are eternal, everything that's not in that will be literally shaken to be removed. Only those things that are in God, the word, in truth, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That is the only way we can be sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body. body literally presented blameless at his coming. We have to be presented blameless in the full image of Jesus Christ unto perfection because Jesus is not coming back for a church that has spot or blemish but will be made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. What does this mean to us? What is the current proceeding word of God that he is now doing and revealing in the voice of the Son of God? That voice, the Spirit speaking, that those that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It is now faith. It's not yesterday's faith. It's not Pentecostal faith. It is a present proceeding word of God which man will live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. More light from faith to faith, from glory to glory. A progressive glorification of the body of Christ in the work of the ministry. And this work of the ministry is a strange work and bring to pass. His act is a strange act. What is God doing? Judgment will he lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. That is literally measuring, measuring the church, measuring the temple of God. What? 
Know ye not your bodies in the temple of the Holy Ghost? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. We're all going to be measured, and that measure which reaches unto us is Jesus Christ. When we have this measure, in Revelation 11, he said, there was a reed like unto a rod given unto me, saying, Rise, measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. There's three things. The temple, which temple we are. And the altar. The altar is our sanctification. Presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Being not conformed with this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For each believer is. And not only the altar, but them that worship therein. The worship, the true worshipers, there's two criteria. Must worship God in spirit, not in the letter of the word, but in spirit and in truth. The truth of the word of God in present truth and the preceding word. Not in yesterday's word of Pentecost and Acts the second chapter. Now that is truth. But leaving, therefore, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. But I'm afraid that we simply keep going around that same old mountain. Instead of going on over and passing over Jordan, we keep going around uh, the repentance from dead works, the faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands, and of the resurrection and eternal judgment. This will we do if God permit. Let us go on to perfection, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto a perfect man. Now, that's not a popular message. That we must grow up into him, Jesus Christ, in all things. All things uh, is faith, is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Growing up into him in all things is all truth. Holy Ghost leading us and guiding us into all truth. Well, we find that there's different levels of glory. The first level of glory, we find John, the apostle, that wrote the gospel according to John, three epistles, and the book of the Revelation, tells us in his epistle in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, the first level of growth going from newborn babies is that of little children. Now, thank God, that's a higher glory. And he says it twice. Why? Because there's two witnesses there. And he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I've written you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. He says it twice. 1 John 2, 12 through 14. There, little children, why? Because you have known the Father. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and you have known the Father. You have gone, grown from little babies to little children. Babies to little children. Why? Because you've known the Father. Or that first step in that glory, in that ceiling, in that sign, in that light, is simply that Jesus Christ is the Father of glory. He is that spirit, always has been that spirit. That's the first level. We have to teach Christ. Christ, first and foremost, is the Spirit of God, is the Father of the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. Christ is that spirit. 
But he also, that same Christ, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood to redeem us that were under the law. Well, that's little children. We know that he is the Father. If you didn't know me, you should have known the Father because he is the Father revealed. The Son of God is the Father revealed. That office has two components. Number one, the Spirit of God without measure. He is the Father, the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. Two, manifest in a body of flesh and blood in the days of his flesh. Glorification, going back to his former spirit where he is, has been, and always will be the Spirit of God. He is the Father. That's the reason in John 16, Jesus said in righteousness that the Holy Ghost would come and would prove the world of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father. I proceeded from him. I go back to him. I came from God. The word came out. I go back to God. There, the prince of this world is judged. And we have Jesus saying that I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. But a day comes, I'll show you plainly the Father. You will know without any shadow of a doubt, after my resurrection and glorification, you will know that I am he. You'll know that I'm in the Father and Father in me. There he said, now the time will come that you will ask in my name. And I say not that I'll pray the Father for you. Why? And somebody said, well, they need the mediator. Yeah, the mediator is that spirit. He's our intercessor. Romans 8, 23 through 26 tells us, no man knows how he ought to pray, but the spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. The spirit itself is our inner intercessor according to the will of God. That's the reason praying in the Holy Ghost in that spirit, Jude 20, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. He is your intercessor. Paul said, then I'll speak with tongues more than y'all. I'll pray with my understanding and I'll pray in the spirit. When I'm praying in the spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. But in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries unto God according to the will of God. And that builds up yourselves upon your most holy faith. That is in your human spirit, in your intuition. Faith is not held in the intellect. Faith is held in the human spirit of man. There are many that have had strokes, many men of God that have had uh, uh, debilitating diseases, strokes for one, and can't even remember their name or their wife or children's name, but yet will still quote the word of God coming out of their spirit. Why? Because the word of God, that faith is held in the spirit, in the intuition of man, in the spirit of man, where you have communion, conscience, and intuition. Things, things of faith that you have learned without the intellect. It's held not in the intellect, but in the spirit of man. So, the spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. So what's the work in this last days? Well, we're going from little children in this Pentecostal realm to a higher realm, another season, a higher glory. It's a new thing. It's the new wine. It's a greater work in our Lord Jesus Christ to give him glory. Glorifying our Lord Jesus by the works that they see us do. Glorifying your Father which is in heaven. What is that? We're going from little children to young men. I write unto you young men, 1 John 2, 12-14, giving us another level of glory. I write unto you young men because the word of God is strong in you. You're not a newborn baby. You're not little children. This word of God is strong in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Says it twice. There's your witness. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. John states it twice in his epistle. Again, I'll write into you young men. Young men, not babies, not little children, but I'll write into you young men. Because the word of God is strong in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Well, that's overcomers. Where do we find that? In the revelation of Jesus Christ. We find it in Revelation, the second and Revelation, the third chapter. And in each church, Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, we find in each one that the voice Thus saith he that hath the seven stars in his hand, he that hath, and etc. That's the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Son of God. And those that hear and obey will be overcomers. And we find that him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down with my father in, not beside the throne, in his throne. All power in heaven and in earth given unto Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father revealed. There you have the essence of the Son of God. He sat down with the Father, not S-I-T, not to sit in a position, positionally, but literally in glory, a settled state of glory. Revelation 3.21 tells us, Jesus said, even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down with my Father in his throne. All power in heaven and earth. That's the reason Jesus is that spirit. He is the Lord. He is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And it's through that power, the Holy Ghost, that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, not by our own works of righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. Those uh, young men are overcomers. So therefore, in the second and third chapter of the book of the Revelation, tells us that that's what we must do in order to overcome. We have to not only read, but keep the sayings of the book of this prophecy, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The time is now. 
It's now faith, not yesterday's faith. Now faith is. That's current, flowing, proceeding word of God, which man shall live by. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to walk in the present truth of the word of God. And that walk means not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, and we shall be blessed in our deeds. Therefore, those overcomers, there's still another step in glory, another high realm to go to, and that is that of fathers. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. Who is that? Him? Him is the word. Him is that spirit. He, Jesus has always been the spirit. Always has been the spirit of God. And always will be the spirit of God. The son of God had a beginning. There's no such thing as eternal sonship. That the eternal son was with the eternal father before the foundation of the world. No. The son had a beginning. And he's saying, Jesus said, the things concerning me have an end. My father's greater than I. Talking about the days of his flesh. What does that mean? It means Jesus has always been that spirit, always will be that spirit. But he had to have a man to die for the sin of the world. A man lost it. Only a man could redeem us back. Romans 5. It's just that simple. God looked for a man. But all were conceived in sin, shaping in iniquity. None good, no, not one. Therefore, God had to have a man. Where is he going to get one? The devil thinks that he has won this battle because how can God, who is spirit, die, shed blood, and redeem those that were under that law? And the law is administration of death, not life. How... Can God do this? Well, we know in the first proto-evangel, the first messianic promise of the Hamashiach. In Genesis 3.15, God speaking to the serpent says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and the church, and that between your seed and her seed, the seed of the woman. That seed of the woman is none other than Christ. And Christ is a seed. And if you're in Christ, you're of the seed of Abraham. You're the seed of promise. You're children of Abraham. In a spiritual seed. And he said, I'll put enmity between your seed, serpent seed, and your seed, woman, the seed of the woman. Thou shalt bruise his head. And thou will bruise his heel. Not the woman's heel. The man-child, his heel. Who is this? We find then that the Lord places at the east end of the garden of God, cherubim, capital C, very important, to keep, and a flaming sword turning every which way, to keep the way of the tree of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now we're getting into many of the signs given to us and uh, the work of the ministry 
that is revealed to us in the book of the Revelation. Because there's first now, the temple of God will be measured. There's a reed likened to a rod given unto me, John said, rise, measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein, but the court which is, with, which is without, leave out. Measure it not. Why? Because the rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked. He only chastens those that he loves. A chastening rod that we will not be condemned with the world. For if the Lord did not do this work, none of us, none of none believer in the body of Christ would be saved. But for the elect's sake, the Lord will do this work for the elect's sake. He has shortened those days for the elect's sake. Otherwise, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, he has shortened those days. That's the reason why we find that's the reason why the first proto-evangel Jesus stated that Christ that first proto-evangel of the Messiah, of the Christos of the Hamashiach that snake thou I put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed thou shalt bruise his head and thou shalt bruise his heel, his heel, not the woman's heel, but the man-child's heel. And he did something very important. He placed cherubim at the east end of the garden of God with a flaming sword turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it was a capital C, cherubim. And we find these cherubim that's going to be on the veil. We'll find these cherubim that's going to be carved out in the mercy seat, in the Ark of the Covenant, or the testimony. And we're going to also see in Solomon's temple that there will be two colossal cherubim made of olive trees. These olive trees are the two olive trees mentioned in Revelation 11 of the two witnesses of God. And these cherubim of glory we see in Hebrews 9, verse 5, the cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. Paul said, of which now we cannot speak particularly. There's something about these cherubim that's held in a mystery, but is now being revealed through the true body of Christ, the true servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the work of the ministry. It's the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It is the work of the ministry that the body of Christ is called for unto perfection. Only the ones that have grown to the full measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, growing up into him in all things, all truth, will be the only ones that will be in the work of the ministry. In the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not the whole church will be there, only a remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, that has loved, those that love God keep his commandments, and they have something. 
something that the others do not have, more oil in their lamps than the five foolish virgins. They have the testimony of Jesus. Now, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We see that in Revelation 19.10. John saw it. On that Isle of Patmos, he was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. He's our companion in tribulation. And in Revelation 19.10, he sees a man. And this man, he is certain, John is certain, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It has every attribute, the same light, walking in that light as Jesus is in that light. As he is, so are we in this present evil war world. John sees it. And he bows down to worship him. And the man says, see thou doest it not. Don't do it. What? Is John mistaken? If anybody knows the Lord, John the disciple, John the revelator, knows the Lord. And he unmistakably knows that this is and has the same character as the Lord Jesus Christ in light. See, thou doest it not, John, don't worship thee. For I am, of, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. What? Have a testimony of Jesus. It's the body of Christ. There's one body there. That's the Son of Man, Revelation. Jesus spoke over 81 times of the Son of Man. A favorite office that he spoke of himself and in the third person. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Not shall I find faith, but shall he find faith on the earth? What? Why that? Why in the third person? Because he is the head, and each member in the body of Christ is but one man, filling heaven and earth of the whole body in heaven and earth in the family of God is named that name Jesus, called by that name, bought with a price. Jesus, called by that wonderful, powerful Blood name, revealed name of God, the blood name of God, Jesus. And that, that man that literally John knew for beyond any shadow of a doubt, this had the same character, the same image, walking in the light as he is in the light, that same light he knew was Jesus Christ. But the man says, see, thou doest it not, Why? Because I am thy brother, thy fellow servant. I am your brother. Brethren, plural. But we have something that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Then he tells us, this is the spirit of prophecy, and it's a small s. Why? Worship God for the testimony of Jesus. He tells him what the testimony of Jesus is. I'm thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Then he explains, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
The only way you can know the words of the book of this prophecy and keep the sayings of this book in obedience is with having the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. And that will be why these two olive trees will be called two prophets, not two apostles, not two pastors, not two evangelists, but two prophets. Why? Because the prophets in the prophecy of this word, in the prophesying of this word before many nations, kindreds, tongues, and kings, which is John. John, who is in the spirit of Elijah, in that restoration of all things. What is this man? The son of man is the kingdom office. And if you're in that kingdom, not just Christ having in you, but growing up into him in all things. Don't stop just being a newborn baby and say, well, I've got heaven made. Don't stop there. Continuously pressing toward that mark. Not the beginning mark, the law, you know, bad, gamal, dela, of the Hebrew ABC theory. Go all the way to the Tav. The mark is the Tav. It's salvation. It is the full consummation of all things, growing up into Jesus and all truth. Not stopping along the way. Not stopping in the middle of the race. Don't you know we all run in a race? But only one winneth the prize. What prize? The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? King priesthood, Melchizedek, reigning and ruling with Christ in the earth for a thousand years. Let no man deceive you by any means. We must press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if you be any otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you, Paul said. We must be reaching forth to those things which are before, forgetting the things which are behind, trying to apprehend that. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. Trying to apprehend that of which were apprehended of Christ Jesus. It is a final higher glory. It's a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's not only loving God in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not such sensual, devilish, having not the spirit, but literally in demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. The spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The present light that we are walking in, in the proceeding word of God in truth. God is showing it now, speaking it now for those that have an ear to hear. Is it a radical change? Yes. Do we have to go into it? Do we have to obey it? Yes. What if we don't? We either go all the way in or we lose it all. There is no consolation prize here. We either gather or scatter. We are either for or against. We either go all the way or we lose it all. Take heed how you hear. For the same measure you meet with all will be measured to you again. To him that hath shall be given. He'll have the more. Growing up into Jesus and all things. 
But him that hath not does not want this word. Will be taken even that, taken away even that which he has, the truth he had. Because we're either going forward in a dynamic word or we're backsliding, uh, being static. We're pressing toward the mark. We cannot be at ease in Zion. Woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion. Jesus stated, I'll search Jerusalem with candles and punish all those them that are settled on their leaves. We have to stay stirred, pressing toward the mark for the prize of that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As many as be perfect, not we, not the body of Christ stating that we're perfect, but perfect in God's sight. Our lives hid with Christ and God simply through obedience in the leading of the Holy Ghost, obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost, which is required of us. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey. Even though you have the Spirit of God, if we do not obey it, it's carnal-mindedness. If they're about strife, any envy, strife, hate, malice, are you still not yet carnal? And to be carnally-minded is death. Be spiritually minded is life. Therefore, whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, obedience is required. And we're saying, no, obedience, that's, that's, that's works. Well, Jesus is looking for works that accompany salvation, not works according to the law, not the works of the law, which is our own righteousness, but the righteousness of God by faith. And grace reigns through this righteousness, which requires obedience. Romans 5, grace reigns through righteousness. Sin reigned by death. But this grace reigns through something. It moves. It is effectual through righteousness. In other words, grace is an effectual working. And you're growing from faith to faith, from glory to glory, through through this obedience unto righteousness. And it states that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him with the servants to whom you obey. Obedience is required. Don't let anyone tell you obedience is not required. How far? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in doing the work of the ministry. What we are all called for. And he says, uh, either you obey unto sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, then yields the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. For these exceedingly great and precious promises are given to each of us, that we can escape the corruption of the world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature, not ours, his divine nature, that's holiness. That's taking on Jesus Christ in obedience unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not something less than that. That he might bring many sons unto glory. 
Those that he did predestinate, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, them he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So it is a process of going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. What's the preceding word of God now? What's present truth? That God is now calling us, the whole body of Christ, in a different season, not a Pentecostal season, not Pentecostals, but the season of tabernacles where we buy the body of Christ will be called tabernaclist. We're going higher. We're going higher in the Lord Jesus Christ, going up into him in all things, in all truth. And that is required. All truth, and it's given to us, to know all truth and no lies of the truth. It is Christ in you, in obedience that's doing the works for you to live as Christ. The cherubim we find are made of olive trees. We find that in 1 Kings 6.23. They will be not the two olive, not the two trees that that uh, uh, we find in the cherubim of glory and the olive trees that are in the mercy seat, those are beaten gold. So it refers to the two olive trees, the massive, 10 cubit high olive trees that are five foot wingspan on each one that literally touches the walls of cedar, touching the other wing of the other cherubim, Shadowing the mercy seat. Paul said that in Hebrews 9, 5, we can't speak particularly about this because he was in the season of Pentecost. He was in that former reign. It was not time for him to speak that word. Did he see it? Yes, he saw it, but he was not able to speak it. He said, I knew a man, such as one caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Such as one that was caught up to the third heaven and saw things. That's throne room revelation. That is what you see from Revelation 4 on. It's not a rapture. Saw things unlawful for a man to speak. Why? Because it's not time. Paul could not speak particularly about these things. He saw that man, though, caught up to God and to his throne. That's a Revelation 12 man-child. That's a church, the remnant of her seed that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. What is that? The faith that was once delivered to the saints. What is that testimony of Jesus? To show unto his servants things, truth, faith, which must shortly come to pass. Revelation 1, verse 1. Revelation 12. That remnant of our seed, not the whole church, not the whole church is going to go into it. They're going to some say, well, no, I don't want that. I'm going to stay in Pentecost. I think that's enough. The whole gospel to the whole world is Acts 2.38. No, it's not. That's another lie. Well, it's partial. Yes, it's truth partial truth, but it's not the whole truth. It requires obedience unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man. 
And that requires obedience unto righteousness. The body of Christ then, being led in truth to all this truth, when that which is perfect has come, then we will know even as we're known of him. And that is before the second advent of Jesus Christ. It is given to us to know these things. It is the revelation of Christ that will be the light to this dark, evil world when gross darkness covers the people and over all the land. Then the Lord will be a great light upon us, the body of Christ. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. It didn't say the gospel of uh, Acts 2.38. It did not say the gospel of Romans 10.9 to the fundamentalist or the gospel of Acts 2.38 to the apostolics. Sure, it's true, but still, that's from babies to little children, certainly not a full age not young men and not fathers. We're called for that right now. The two olive trees are the two witnesses of the two candlesticks in Revelation 11, which is the body of Christ and the Spirit of God. We have that in, in literally given to us in John eight thirteen through 27. Jesus gives us that in the days of his flesh, tells us what that testimony is. When they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the Pharisee said, you bear record of yourself, your record's not true. Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. I am one that beareth witness to myself and my father that sent me, he beareth witness to me. It is written in your law now, he goes from record. What is record? The record is given to us in 1 John 5, 7. Listen to it. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Greek word, heis, H-E-I-S, meaning one in the very self-same spirit. Not a different one. Not a second one. Not a second person. But, one spirit, one person. That's it. One. Spirit, water, Holy Ghost, that spirit, water, and blood are three that bear record in the earth, and they agree in one. They're not one, but they agree in one. That's, that is 1 John 5, 8. But 1 John 5, 7, Jesus is stating the record. I'm one that bear record of myself, and my Father that sent me, he beareth record of me. Blessed are those that believe on him whom he has sent. There is the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, which are one in the self-same spirit. The Father is the administrative office of that spirit. The Word is the expression office of that same spirit. The Holy Ghost is the power office of that same spirit. So Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true. Now notice, he changes it from record to witness and testimony. That gives us light. On the Revelation 11, 
showing us who the two witnesses are. And he says, it is written in your law, the testimony, now watch it, he didn't say record, he said the testimony, the testimony of two men is true. Now he's going to testimony, the testimony of Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy. That's Revelation 19.10. That is the work of the ministry. That is the, rec the revelation of the Son of Man. Jesus ahead, you and I, and different members in the body of Christ, making but one body. And that is so important to see the body of the Christ. Because in Ephesians 4, he starts with first mention one body. Starts with a body. One body. One spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, father of all, and in us all. And he starts with the body there. And Jesus says the same thing. He said, it's written in your law, the testimony of two men is true to the Pharisees. I am one death beareth, he didn't say record, I am one death beareth witness of myself, and my father that sent me, he beareth witness of me. There's your two witnesses, the body and the spirit. Well, exactly. Jesus, while he was in the world, he's the light of the world. Now we are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. And in Revelation 11, I give power to my two witnesses. These are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks, the candlesticks of the churches. The two olive trees are the cherubim, the living creatures in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, lion, man, calf, calf, and eagle. There we have the cherubim of glory, which Jesus, in the days of his flesh, is the way, the truth, and the life. The forerunner has already entered in. And the forerunner means that others will be running in also. He's the forerunner making the way for us. And that in Genesis 3.24 is capital C, cherubim, and a flaming sword, turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. The cherubim is the lion, man, ox, and eagle. There, Jesus has the four faces, which are the four carpenters that rebuild the earth. There's four horns that freight it, there's four carpenters that rebuild it. And that is Jesus Christ. Somebody said, I don't understand. Well, very simply, God has shown forth his glory in the face, singular face of Jesus Christ. But that face, they had four faces. That's the reason we have four gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Each one shows the four faces of in the face of Jesus Christ. And there, in Matthew, we have the line of the tribe of Judah. The gospel according to Mark is the perfect man. The gospel according to Luke, the beloved physician, is uh, the ox, the suffering servant. And the gospel according to John, the eagle. Three terrestrial, one celestial. But it's Jesus Christ showing the four faces. Now we, the body of Christ, we are called into that same glory because notice it says in 2 Corinthians 3, tells us 
that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we, the body of Christ, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. The excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. Yes, we're walking in the power of his might, not ours. It's faith. It's God that worketh in us, both the willing to do of his good pleasure. When we do the works of God, it's not us, but the Christ in us. When you heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, lay them up in the camp to go free. It's not the individual. It's the Christ in them. And God confirming his word with signs, divers, miracles, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. We don't follow the signs. The signs follow us, the believers. Therefore, Jesus said there that you, because I go to my Father, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. It's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, will not come. Why? Because Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given yet. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. He's glorified, go back to his former glory. All power in heaven is given unto him. Then he gives it to us. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Why? Because the spirit of the son, the spirit of the father is one and the same. Christ is that spirit. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But the spirit that dwelt in Christ Jesus, the man, dwell also in you, that spirit, Jesus, then it shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body. The two olive trees, they are cherubim that were at the end and of the mercy seat of a beaten gold, but these are olive trees, 10 cubits high, carved work, engraved, carved, engraven. And that is seal. And engraving is a seal. And the cherubim are carved and engraved work. And we see there, they're 10 cubits high. A cubit being from 18 to 21 inches from the elbow to the middle finger long. Some will say it's 18 inches, some 21. But one thing's for sure. It's 10 cubits high has a wingspan of five cubits on each wing. With five cubits on one wing and five cubits on the other wing, those two are ten cubit wingspans, and it touches the other cherubim of glory with a mercy seat on the holiest of all, the most holy place, the holy of holies, touching the wall of cedar, the walls of salvation, touching the literally extended wings, 10 cubits, touching the other cherubim's wing, shadowing the mercy seat. And he will uncover the cedar work. And that is the work of the ministry. It's judgment. But Paul said we can't talk about this now. We can't speak about the cherubim shadowing the mercy seat. We cannot speak about this particularly. 
cannot now speak particularly about it. He was in Pentecost. But now we can because the book is now open for all to see in the leading of the Holy Ghost. The ten cubit high and the wingspan of each wing five cubits for a total of ten cubits touching each other, two cherubims, touch the walls of salvation from one to the other, shadowing the mercy seat. It's a work of the ministry in the last days. It is this gospel of the kingdom being preached unto all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. These cherubim are a carved work, engraven, and there's three different levels. We find it on the high priest's garments. They're in Exodus 28. And then you have in Exodus 28, they're according to the birth. You will have that engraving of an engraver on each shoulder of the priest. The six tribes of Israel on one shoulder on the onyx stone and on the other onyx stone on the other shoulder of the high priest, the other six tribes, according to their birth. That's a newborn believer. Those that have been born of the water and the spirit. That is newborn babies. They have repented, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, and they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the water and the spirit. But then we grow to little children. I ran you little children because you've known the Father. But then there comes uh, that young men. Well, we find in the high priest in Exodus 28, there's another engraving, an engraving of a signet, a sign, a seal. Another engraving? Yes, we're growing higher in glory. Not children anymore, but we're going to young men. Well, now we find on the breastplate of judgment, three rows, four rows, three in each row. I'm sorry, four rows, three in each row. From where we go, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, to Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Ephraim, uh, Manasseh, Benoni, Benjamin, and then final Dan, uh, Asher, and Naphtali. And each of that is according to the work and obedience to the call of God. And it's also an engraving of an engraver of a signet, a sign, a loftal. A sign, S-I-G-N-E-T. That's the loftal. That's the A to the Z of the Hebrew ABC theory. So the sign is the seal, which is the loftal, which is growing up into him in all things from the, not the loft, Aleph, Allah, Beth, Gamal, Dela, etc., all the way to the Tav. And we find in, in Ezekiel 9 that seal the servants of a God that are crying out for the sins and abominations done in Jerusalem. And that seal is a Tav. It's not the first letter or the middle letter of a Lamed or Mim. It is Tav, the last letter of the Hebrew Abyssinian. In other words, you've grown up into him in all things. That's a sign. That is a ceiling. Ezekiel 9. Well, he says they're the living creatures, the ones that are alive. In Revelation 4 and 5, 
sang the song of the redeemed. They're not angels. They sang the song of the redeemed. And that cherubim there of those living creatures are the ones that have done and doing the will of God. And they have that sealing upon that breastplate of the high priest according to judgment. It's a breastplate of judgment. There we find those four rows, three in each row, upon the heart, the breastplate of the high priest. But it's still, there's still another step. Well, young men, there's still another step of glory, yes. And we find that they were going to make a plate, a miter, a gold plate with a blue ribbon that'll be put up on the forefront of the high priest's forehead. Holiness unto the Lord. That's the final sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. It's another engraving, the work of an engraver, a work of the Holy Ghost. And the engraving of a signet, a sign, a sealing of a loftal. A final growth. And that is sealing the servants of our God in their foreheads, having the mind of Christ. So you've gone from young men to fathers. And the fathers have that final seal, not just in Revelation 4 and 5 of the living creatures, but in their foreheads, the mind of Christ, which is synonymous with the high priest there in Exodus 28 with that ribbon of blue upon that and that plate of gold, holiness, all capital letters, holiness unto the Lord. That is the Lord Jesus, our righteousness, Jehovah Tendishkinu. That righteousness there is uh, Zadok, righteousness. Melk Zadok, Melchizedek, king priesthood. That's what you're called for. So we'll be elaborating more and more upon this in this great truth. It's he will uncover the seed of work. It'll be the great work of God, the work of the ministry that you and I are called for. We need to hear from you. God's putting his body together now. Many of you are writing and saying, you see, all the, you see the work, the, the, the strange work that God's doing. You're seeing the ceiling. That it's not just, well, I keep a Sabbath. Ha! Oh, no, you're growing up into him in all things. So the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. Now, you're seeing what that true work is. The work of the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We'd love to hear from you. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or contact me, sealinggodspeople.org or sealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org. Message me on any one of those websites and we'd love to meet you. God's pulling that body, building it together, putting it all together into one compact and yet Whichever joint supplies the identifying of itself in love, he's doing it now. The body is coming together in one, not denominations. Simply in the body of Christ, the Lord himself building his temple, his body for his glory, for his great name's sake. Well, we love to hear from you. Let us hear from you. We'll expect you, your message. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, 
the real Jesus.